Well, welcome to another Acoustic Alternatives podcast. I'm John Bomarito, and I want to thank, as usual, Grove Studios for being such excellent hosts and the encouragement for me to even start doing this podcast to kind of replace what I used to do in a radio station studio. So big thanks to this spot in Ypsilanti that if you're a musician and you don't know about this place, check it out because this is a place you can practice 24-7. You can do some recording. If you're a podcaster like myself, you can do a podcast. If you're a DJ and you're looking for a place to get loud, get out of your garage and not annoy your neighbors, there's a couple of rooms for that as well. Look Grove Studios up and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about and come by and get a tour for sure. And of course, right now, I also have to thank David Palmer, who's my sponsor for the podcast, because without David, we would not have had Liz Longley or Rachel Davis or pretty much anybody for the next several weeks because David Palmer at dcpalmer.com is being gracious gracious enough to be my sponsor for the next uh, few weeks. And uh, you can find out more about him again at dcpalmer.com. He's affiliated with Realty Experts, LLC. They're at 1420 Washington, number 301 in Detroit, Michigan, 48226. And this week, the guest is one of Detroit area's biggest supporters of others, as I've noticed over the years, a man who's kind to all and who writes compelling stories and turns them into songs. Mr. Mark Jewett is here. Good morning slash afternoon, evening, whatever time people are watching, Mark. Good day, sir. That's about the yeah. best way to it. <laughs> Good day. Thank you very much. It's a it's a pleasure. And we're also joined by the man who helped produce your latest record and plays drums, Billy Harrington. Hello. Hello, Billy. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Great, great. I'm trying to remember the first project I met you on because I've known you for years, but I can't remember whose project it was because you're kind of like all over the place and play with lots lots of our friends. Yeah, do, I don't, do, do you uh, remember? Maybe Sam Corbin. Could be Sam. Like first or second record. That was like 2009, 2008. Maybe. Or so. Adam Plumeridis. I can't remember anymore. Yeah, yeah. Sam would have been before Adam, too. So okay, well, there you ancient. go. Sam. Well, Mark has a new record coming up, but we're going to dig a little deeper into his history before uh, we talk about the new record. But meanwhile, I think we should actually start with the song. You think so? I, should, I think we should. Start at the beginning? It's a very good place to start. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you sing, yeah, you begin yeah. with. What would you like to, to do from this new forthcoming record? Well, literally, I think I probably should start at the beginning with a, a song called The Lucky One. Is this the one that launched the whole record? It really, yeah, it was the, uh, it was the impetus, the motivation to uh, start focusing on a record. Uh, the song's been around for a while, and uh, it's a song about gratitude, and uh, I hope it's self-explanatory. Here we go. If you've got someone to love you And you've got someone to love You can thank your lucky stars When you look up above If you have friends, it seems you have known since you were born You're lucky cause you know They will be there in the morn You're a lucky one You're a lucky one So live each day as if your life had just begun You're a lucky one And when your time is done You will still be a lucky one If your best friend wags his tail When you walk through the door You're lucky just to be the one 
friend could not love more If a song can make you smile Or a song can make you cry You're lucky cause you know What it's like to be alive You're a lucky one You're a lucky one So live each day as if your life had just begun You're a lucky one And when your time is done You will still be a lucky one Well I tell myself these things Whenever I begin to doubt And to remind myself What life is all about I've got someone to love me And I've got someone to love And I always thank my lucky stars When I look up above I've had all these blessings Yes, I've had a real good run I know that I've been lucky Yes, I'm a lucky one I'm a lucky one I'm the lucky one And I live each day As if my life had just begun I'm the lucky one And when my time is done I will still be the lucky one Yes, when my time is done I'll still be the lucky one title track for Mark Jewett's forthcoming record is The Lucky One on Acoustic Alternatives. Thank you for doing that, sir. Sure. That one is the one that uh, lyrically grabs me the most because I can, I think everybody can relate to the feelings of just being grateful. But I, I do have to ask, where was the moment that that song started? Were you sitting down thinking, God, I'm so lucky I have X in my life? It, it, there were a couple of um, real milestones on that one. It, the song was born. I remember the the moment. That's the moment I want to hear about. Uh, it, it was Cinco de Mayo, um, okay. probably 2017, maybe 2018. I had just uh, done a a songwriter round show with uh, Rochelle Clark and Scott Fab. And after the show, we were after we'd kind of broken down. Um, Rochelle said, you know, I feel really fortunate to be part of this. And, and I said, you know, I feel like I'm the lucky one. And then I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to make a note. <laughs> iPhone memo, iPhone memo. <laughs> so, yeah, that, uh, the verse and uh, most of the chorus kind of hung around for a while. And then uh, no, I just got, got to thinking about gratitude in general and uh, all the things that we're lucky to have. Well done. And there you go. You capture the moment, even <laughs> even including the dog in there. You know, the whole, yeah. That's yep. a, my, my dad's best friend is his dog. You know, you're never, you're never alone if you got a Brody. I hear that every single time I come over to visit my dad. <laughs> so the dog part, I can relate to that too. So nicely done. And I feel fortunate to have you as a friend go for a walk with. And oh, thanks. Grateful for that. It's, 
It's a healthy thing to do. It is. Have friends and walk. Yes. Uh, somewhere to, to vent. Uh, <laughs> give me a rundown of the young Mark Jewett. What were you doing? Uh, what were you listening to as a kid? Oh, as a kid. Um, I, I remember listening to Beatles as early as maybe age eight. Um, when they were new, probably. When they were new. When <laughs> I, I remember watching them on the Ed Sullivan <laughs> show. Oh, their come first on. Appearance. Yeah. I, mean, I know you're older than me, but you really saw them. I maybe. really saw oh, that come on. show. Yep. Wow. 64. On, on, on a black and white 19-inch uh, TV. And, uh, yeah. They got me beat there. I wasn't on the planet yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Neither no. was Billy, for that matter. But uh, when I... When I first uh, had an interest in music, I wanted to play drums. Oh, wow. Really? So, you know, Billy and I would be competing for all kinds of things now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, my my mom didn't say no. She said, hell no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. pretty specific. Yeah. I think that's a, don't do that. <laughs> so, uh, I, I played trombone um, from fourth grade all the way through high school. And... Uh, uh, kind of drifted in the direction of, of the big band stuff. There was in, in middle school, there was a, a stage band and uh, in high school as well. So I was part of the concert band and the stage band and uh, got exposed to, you know, the, the classics, Tommy Dorsey and Glenn Miller. And I love that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's great stuff. And, and later on um, into the, the more modern big bands like Maynard Ferguson, um, that's really exciting stuff to be mm. being in an auditorium with Maynard's band going full tilt. Nice, it's electrifying. <laughs> but uh, did you include any of that on the new record? Any trombone on uh, the new record? Uh, no, I still own one. <laughs> yeah, dust it's, it off. It's <laughs> the next one. Then. Record it, number four. It's, it's in a solo. case in the garage on a shelf, and, and the case has a hole in it. So uh. I, 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 I'm not even sure if the slide would work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I could pull it out for uh, you know something like uh, rainy day women or something. Like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nothing too melodic yeah. or or nothing that requires finesse, polished tone <laughs> anymore. Well, then trombone went away. Yeah, I did, and I, I did get to take drum lessons for a summer yeah. on, on a pad. I, I didn't get a kit, <laughs> but because uh, it was quiet enough to not annoy your mother. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she was hoping I got it out of my system, but you know, I I still I I would still love to learn to play drums better than I do. Was there a drummer at that point in your life that you wanted to be like? Oh, I was a big Danny Seraphin fan from Chicago. Oh yeah, he's Chicago. quite phenomenal. Of course, that whole Juilliard lineup. Um, Didn't he like hit cymbals behind his head sometimes? Yeah, I I think their help wanted ad said must be phenomenal because <laughs> they all were they all. Yeah. Yeah. I I dabbled with the drum set in the basement of my house, and then I tried to play along with a police record, and then I gave up. Ooh. That's when I stopped oh. trying to be a drummer. Oh, hard Stu start. Copeland is a hard <laughs> yeah. one to cop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, already, I already knew Neil Peart was off the table. That was like, don't even try. But <laughs> I, then I hadn't paid attention to the polyrhythms of Stuart Copeland. I'm like, yeah, he's uh, one of those guys where you're not sure how many brains he's got going firing yeah. at once. No. Nope. But uh, polyrhythm, yes. Eventually, you picked up stringed instruments. I did. I started playing bass um, in high school. Really um, kind of wanted to get into something with a little more community outside the, the school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine, Keith Carley, um, showed me some bass basics. And uh, I, I still remember my first bass, which I regret selling, which was a short scale Kalamazoo, a Gibson product. Yeah. But it was kind of a, a Gibson... Um, EBO knockoff, 
and uh, uh, it was probably early in my senior year when I started playing that. And then when I went away uh, to engineering school at Michigan, um, I was still burning all my uh, elective credit hours on music-related stuff. And, and I, I took a jazz improv class that was so far over my head, mm. <laughs> but very educational. Um, you know, we had uh, analytical assignments, too. And uh, we had to pick a bass solo to, to analyze and write about. And I picked one by, uh, I think, Miroslav Vitas when uh, he was with Weather Report. Mm. Um, so it was challenging and, and fun. It didn't scare you away from being a bass player? No, it didn't. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I joined some you know, cover bands with friends and uh, eventually found myself in a in a band with a, a, a songwriter. And we, and we did some original stuff. And recorded it in a in a garage loft back in probably 78 and uh we, we did that full time until about 81 and, and the band kind of the, the wheels fell off hmm. it's called whitewater okay um and uh years later probably around 06 uh, we got together and decided to to re-record that stuff oh. uh, and do it right and nice. there were some new tunes and uh, there, there is a record out there. It's available on Bandcamp, but uh, I don't think it's gone plastic yet. <laughs> <laughs> did you teach yourself bass and guitar? Or did you take lessons? Um, I no, I, I never took formal bass lessons. Um, you know, once you know, if you're sticking with a four string bass or even a five string, everything's about shapes and they're portable. And unless you're playing down at the nut, you know, everything you can play here, you can play here. <laughs> so um, that was actually a hindrance to me when I took up guitar seriously because there's that, oh, all these nice intervals on the, the E through the G string, and then you've got the, the, the different interval, and it, 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 it screwed up my shapes-based logic. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, been, I've been battling that ever since I uh, went to guitar. And U of M was uh, to go to engineering, and then... It, Yes, yeah. Uh, I'm an electrical engineer by degree, and um, I actually pursued that as like a backup thing because I wanted to be a recording engineer. I was going to ask, was music ever the first choice? It was, um, and uh, I, I don't think I had the chops or the encouragement to pursue uh, performing arts at the time, but I was really fascinated by recording and I, I wrote to all the labels and, you know, asked, how, how can I do this? And they all said, well, um, just go to L.A. or New York and try to find an internship somewhere. <laughs> and Thanks. Because there were no recording schools in, in yeah. 1974 mm -hmm. when I entered college. And um, that was discouraging. So I thought, okay, next best thing is maybe I can work on musical electronics, you know, become a synthesizer designer or something like that. So I picked electrical engineering. Plus, you know, math and physics were probably my strongest suits um, prior to that. And it was a good fit. Um, it's it served me well for many years. Mm -hmm. It'll stop serving me on Halloween. Yay. <laughs> Retirement's coming up for Mark Jewett, everybody. Uh, yeah. He's going to retire. So what was the path to writing your own songs? You were in a band. You were watching somebody else do all the things. You took a little bit of a break and then put out your debut in 2011. But how did you get there? Well, um, th th there's a, 
a primary and a backstory on that too. Uh, I, I I knew uh, I don't know if you know Nolan Mendenhall mm-hmm. many many years ago. Uh, he was in a band called Buildings um, with Sean Murphy and uh, a guy I went to high school with, Kenny Meredith, and um, uh, they were, they played at some local clubs. And you know, at the time, I uh, I only knew Kenny, but I met Nolan back then, and, and I wound up building some. Uh, transit cases for uh, uh, a, a base that Nolan owned, mm-hmm. uh, an Olympic base, and and we became friends back then, and then went separate ways. And many years later, I, I saw his name um, in a Sunday newspaper uh, as associated. Uh, he was uh, producing a record for Jill Jack, and I thought, ah, it's got to be the same Nolan Mendenhall. So, you know, I, I looked him up, and at the time, he was also a member of a band called Grievous Angel. Mm. An excellent band, and I I used to go out frequently, uh, like every week, to the South Lion Hotel and listen to Grievous Angel and 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 go to their shows, and and they really I think lit the fire of, of interest in in songwriting, hmm. and uh, Billy Brandt was on the staff um, at a songwriter retreat in the UP, and he said, well you should come up, and I said, well I I don't have any songs like. I haven't written. I don't know what I'll do, but I, I went anyway, and uh, I was unaware that when you sign in, there was a, a sign-up sheet for an open mic, <laughs> <laughs> and I had never played solo in front of a crowd in my life. Mm. And apparently, um, Jill Jack noticed the terrified look on my face, and she <laughs> she, she said something like that. She she buttonholed me and took me over into the gift shop at the end where this place was, and. Uh, uh, she gave me a pep talk and said, I can do this. And, and I, and I did something. I don't even remember what I played that night, mm-hmm. but, uh, she kind of pulled me through the knot hole. And, uh, once I got to the other side, um, it was very helpful that there was a, a kind, receptive and, and forgiving audience. Um, it was the above the bridge songwriting workshop, mm-hmm. which, uh, has been running since 2008. And, and I've been to all of them Nice since 2008. So uh, I have a lot of um, gratitude for uh, the folks that organized it. Actually, Steve and Rachel of the Hummingbirds um, founded that with the, the owners of the uh, Chamberlain's Old Forest Inn up there. So that's where I really wrote the first song I, I would take ownership of was up at that workshop. And um I kind of came to the realization that you know over the years I had been writing pieces of songs in my head, but I never finished one and I never put it down. I never recorded it because all these pieces were coming to me almost intact, and I thought, I, no, I I can't be two weeks into this and and have all this stuff coming to me. So this had to be a subconscious collection that was just mm-hmm. surfacing, but. Uh, so yeah, I've formally been writing since about uh, late 2008. Nice. Now, were any of the songs on the new record debuted at the Above the Bridge? Is there one that you might be playing oh, that ties in? Uh, several. You know, over the years, I've written several, or at least 90, 95 percent of the whole song in a weekend, and then come home to finish it. But uh, any of the ones you're planning on doing today? Because this is uh, a perfect segue. Oh gosh, take it. Take the segue. Um, <laughs> 
It doesn't have to be. You can uh, just play a song. Yeah, I, I, I could play an earlier one, but it's kind of similar to the one I just played. Pick a song, any song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, I, I can play the one that's the most popular in the Netherlands, if you... <laughs> If you care to hear from the new record, that's not even out yet. <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's from an earlier record, but um, totally up to you. you. You play what you want to play, Mark. This is your this is your moment in the spotlight. Okay, and th this one was born on the the front lawn of Chamberlain's Old Forest Inn in, in Curtis, Michigan, and uh, it's called Cheap Mascara. I was young and it was long ago when I first met her. And the way we got along when she was sober made it hard to forget her. She was one of seven kids With a little angel of her own Me, I could not foresee The depths of the unknown Her old man was crazy Crazy and mean, mean to the bone. Her mama's so, so innocent and sweet, didn't like to be alone. Cause they would fight, it seemed like every night. And he would scream. My God, how he would scream But Mama only cried For everybody else it seemed And every time I tried to bring her closer My efforts were in vain She would run, yeah, she would run like cheap mascara in the rain. Well, she married once when she was way too young. We all make mistakes. Yeah, love is blind, and in that blindness, that's one that anyone can make She tried so hard and didn't ask for much In return, he gave her even less and That was the end of any innocence she had left, I guess 
Every time I tried to bring her closer, my efforts were in vain. And she would run, yeah, she would run like cheap mascara in the rain. That's the only kind of life she knew That I might understand Our fear of living in that kind of hell Became distrust for any man Sometimes profane, but in the end, there were no words at all, only memories of men. And every time I tried to bring it closer, my efforts were in vain. She would run, yeah, she would run like cheap mascara in the rain. Yeah, she would run, she would always run like cheap mascara in the rain. Nicely done. Mark Jewett is my guest this week on Acoustic Alternatives. And I want to ask you about something, but I also have to remember that I have a sponsor I need to thank. So if you don't mind, I'm going to talk a little thank bit you. about David Palmer, who's been a big supporter of mine over the years. He just likes what I do. He likes what, likes what I did on the radio. Super nice guy. I love talking music with him. But as it turns out, he's also a realty expert. He's an associate broker, realtor, serving the city of Detroit and the surrounding areas. And there's three areas that he specializes in. And one of them actually might be useful for you, Mark, because I know... You've gone through something uh, in this realm. The first two I'm going to mention, probably not so much. First-time homebuyers, if you had a bad experience, David's your guy. If you're recovering from that that first-time experience, David's also your guy. <laughs> if you're in our age group and you're starting to lose your parents and you're trying to figure out how to downsize and deal with the stuff that your parents have left for you to deal with, he's got a lot of experience with that as well. So if you're looking for somebody to help you in that area and you're in the, uh, the market for a realtor, dcpalmer.com. He's well-connected to the area. He's uh, involved in a lot of different things besides uh, his love of music and uh, being an expert realtor. He's your solution. He'll walk you through the steps and, with your permission, help you manage the third parties you need to go through to get that stuff that uh, you don't know what to do with. He'll help you. So dcpalmer.com, look him up. David Palmer, thank you so much for your support. And David is associated with Realty Experts, LLC, 1420 Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226. The phone number is 313-759-9558. And open up a separate browser right now, dcpalmer.com. And then look at it later after you're done watching uh, Mark and I chat with uh, with Billy, who's here as well. 
So the Netherlands is a, a spot that that song is doing well. Uh, Tell me about uh, that. On Spotify specifically. Um, <laughs> and it's, it, it's a bit of a quirk, I guess. Um, it's, it's from my, my second record, which came out in, in 2011. And uh, there's an artist, um, I believe he's based in Ireland. His name is Rob Murphy. And there's a group called Fans for Rob Murphy, uh, who uh, they curate some playlists on Spotify. And through some strange uh, quirk of fate, they happen to hear that song and put it on a playlist. And um, it, it, I mean, it's not burning up the world or anything, but it's it, it's getting Being heard. It's getting more streams than than others. And uh, I was appreciative, and I and I, uh, I kind of followed what they were doing, and, and they released some uh, other theme-based um, uh, playlists, and and I suggested some songs that you know might fit in in that. So, I think they've picked up th maybe three or four of mine on various lists, but yes. that that particular one um, is has caught on, and I and I think. Pretty close to eighty percent of my worldwide streams are from the Netherlands, <laughs> and 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 Rob Murphy is not even from the Netherlands; he's from Ireland. <laughs> so, Very strange. Um, so thank you, Rob. If if you're listening to this podcast, Rob. Hi, Rob. Come on, Rob's fans. <laughs> so you've been doing this a while now. Who's been the most encouraging person as you travel through your solo career? Oh, it's, it's kind of been a sequence of of, of people. Um, but you know, I, I mentioned that, that Jill Jack kind of pulled me mm -hmm. through the the knot hole into the performing world. Um, so that that was I'm forever grateful for that. Um, and uh, you, you know, I, I get encouragement from various places. But one of the times when I think I need it the most is if I think I have an idea, and I, and I'm not sure of it. Like you know, it, do I have enough for a record here? There's guys like Billy Harrington out there. <laughs> Where you know we can sit down over uh, over some sushi and talk about yeah. it, and and, uh, and and Billy gave me a lot of encouragement. Uh, and and then once we got into the project, um, I had you know songs that I wasn't quite sure of or they weren't complete, and Amy Petty played an enormous role in you know in encouraging me to finish certain things, and she even jumped in. Uh, there's a song called "Guilty" that that we wrote together, and. Um, she brought what it needed. I, I had a couple of verses and, and a chorus, lacking a bridge, lacking a, a verse that tied the whole thing together. And uh, she actually brought it pretty quickly and, and and then added what she does so beautifully to the recording. <laughs> I've been lucky enough to hear that and a few others in progress as you sent them to me uh, kindly. And uh, that one's dark but beautiful. I like that one. But it, I got to give Billy a, an awful lot of credit because um, he he made me uh, feel comfortable in the studio environment. Um, we we felt free to experiment with a lot of things, mm -hmm. and uh, being comfortable in the recording process is maybe the most important thing. You know, no, knowing what you're playing is is important as well. Yeah. <laughs> but but if you're not comfortable, you're not going to do it well. Um, I think if you're like me, you always try to improve. Like when I first started doing radio, college radio when I was younger, 
I would record every show and I would listen back to it to try and improve. Like, what can I do better? So did you do any of that as you reflected on your first two records? Was there something you said, I'm going to consciously try to improve this about my myself? Yes. I suppose probably want to know what that is. Probably, yeah. That's the reason <laughs> I asked the question. Well, it's, it's the two things that I'm obviously doing. Um, playing guitar and singing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had been um, a, a backup harmony singer mm-hmm. in all the cover days, and I was, I was rarely allowed to sing lead on any songs. You know, I did, did a couple of Joe Walsh songs and a couple of Tom Petty songs. <laughs> but uh, you know, this is a whole different game, and as I did my first EP, it really opened my eyes that uh, I have a lot to learn about singing. And, and I've had some voice coaching over the years, um, mm-hmm. you know, nothing... Uh, that lasted too terribly long, but I, I do have a claim to fame. Um, I I used the same voice coach as Barbara Streisand for a while. <laughs> that engineering job I, must pay you well. <laughs> a very nice guy named Ray Taylor, who Sean Murphy introduced me to. Oh. Um, it was a geographically undesirable situation. Yeah. I lived in Farmington, and he taught in East Detroit. And uh, the only times I could fit in were like at rush hour. Oh. And this was also during, you know, one of the gas crises. And I had a, a van that was getting, you know, nine, maybe 10 miles per gallon. <laughs> so, you know, the voice lesson had cost me 30 bucks and the gas had cost me 40. <laughs> but nice. so, so I had a motorcycle at the time. Oh. Okay. And uh, I used to ride that across eight mile in rush hour from Farmington to East Detroit and back. And it, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. Nice. As you're writing the songs for any record, do you hear the arrangements that become fully the fully produced versions, or do you turn to somebody like Billy to kind of help you flush out the song, or, or, or are you hearing it in your head like this needs the background vocal here and it needs the? I, I usually hear concepts, and, um, and 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 Billy really picked up on that and embellished the concepts really well, and and I and I really enjoyed the way we went about this this record, and I. I I call it an organic process where, you know, I, I think I'm living the experience of, of typical standalone singer songwriters who, who create something with an instrument, the guitar or a piano, and then it, it takes some kind of a shape that, that they can show to somebody else. But that's not necessarily the shape it needs to be in um, on a finished record. Yeah. Was I, there was there one was there one that you had a particularly fun time arranging for him? Well, oh well, um, or whatever story you were about to say because I, I interrupted say, you. I was going to say we had we 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 went to a sushi place, my favorite sushi place, Totoro, and um, and we sat down and we were just chatting about you know like what Mark's experience had been previously on the record before, what he wanted to do. And and just just general hanging out, you mm-hmm. know, because Mark had come to a couple shows that I did, I think, and um, and we had crossed paths quite a bit, but we had never really like, you know, actually just met and hung out and got a got a feeling for each other and stuff. And but at the end of it, he gave me a CDR, blank little CDR. I put it in my car and I drove around and I just kind of had it, you know, kicking around, listening to it for a week or so. And I remember listening to all of it though on a drive for the first time and thinking like, gosh, I don't like, I don't know what Mark wants me to do because it's kind of done. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, I, I don't know if you guys like to cook, but like, I like to cook and, 
you know, one of the one of the big things for like I think great cuisine is like you don't overcook things. You know, you, you let need to the, know when it's done. Right. And you let the ingredients speak for themselves. And and I heard a lot of that on this little demo CDR, which was just Mark and, you know, just voice and acoustic. Sometimes it was electric guitar, but it was really just him. And there was so much there that I was kind of worried that he wanted something huge when I kind of wanted to do the opposite and like keep it really contained. Um, that's one of my favorite things about Mark's voice is like, it feels like it sounds so great when you're really close, when you're really close to him, it has so much texture and just such a beautiful tone. Um, and, uh, you know, he's not doing Barbara Streisand acrobatics. It's kind of the opposite <laughs> of that. And it's so honest and it just sounds like Mark. And so I wanted to make sure to capture that because it was all over that CD. Mm-hmm. It was all over that demo. And I really wanted to make sure that we kept a lot of that vibe because it was just so sweet. So it was it was it was a lot of like, you know, Mark would throw out an idea and, um, you know, sometimes we would we would connect right away and other times it would be the opposite and we would say okay well what's what do we want to get out of this and what's the point of the track like you know where are we going what's um what's the trajectory here of of these and and most of the time it was a it was a great time and it was a lot of like i i know records you know that i have my favorite records and mark has his favorite records and a lot of the time you know we were kind of trading tracks trading artists that we didn't know you know mm. so it was a really nice it was very organic because it, it it created a little mini you know melting pot thing of influencing each other and so it's great mm. you know I, and, and I, I love working with people from other generations mm-hmm. to, you know so to speak so. on the other hand though on, on the cooking theme <laughs> yeah you don't want to over season anything or, or or go over the top but it is a lot of fun to go <laughs> yeah, over yeah. the top you know maybe during the process you take something too far mm-hmm. and it, it's fun it's very exciting you know the first time you hear it happening yeah. and then you sit back and you listen and go yeah that was that was great but it's too much you, you know yeah. it's, it's 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 gonna be weird on yeah. this record <laughs> so, sometimes you want to be pink floyd and we got there we did that quite yeah, a bit actually yeah, yeah that, that actually uh kind of caught me by surprise um because in my head i wasn't referencing um you know pink floyd but there, there's a couple of tunes um on the record that they're much bigger than anything i've ever done before mm. uh sonically and um you know, one of them was really taking on some Pink Floyd, David Gilmore flavor in the process. And I thought, okay, let's go with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's working. Let's go with it. Is that Voices? Um, we talked about that. You and I talked n- about that one. No, that was... Um, or when I have it It was Warren Zevon's birthday. Okay, yeah. well, I've heard yeah. that one. And, uh, and then the other one was um, Guilty. Uh, Guilty's very different. Th- th- that's the co-write. Um, it... It reminded me of Evanescence, especially as soon as Amy stepped in and started doing layers of sure. spectacular vocals. Yeah. It's just funny. I was thinking "Great Gig in the Sky," so we're like we're we're, we're switching generations here. You're talking Evanescence, and I'm talking about yeah, record yeah. Well, Her voice does cut right through your soul, and that's and you can hear it on that track for sure. That that "Great Gig in the Sky" thing. Uh, I know exactly what you're speaking of, Billy, in that in that regard. But those can't sound anything like the demos either. Could that or or the voices track that I brought up because that one has the beautiful violin playing of Sonia Lee on it as well. Oh yeah, uh, Sonia did uh, 
Uh, she tore it up. She she did such an outstanding job. Yeah. People, most people haven't heard that one yet. That'll be on the record. When does the record come out, by the way? Uh, August twentieth is okay. is the date. Um, it it'll be you know on digital distribution, and I'm supposed to receive physical copies sometime between the sixth and the sixteenth. So, cool. Are we ready? To I'm do not it? sliding headfirst into home, but uh, I'm I'm running. I'm not walking in. <laughs> Are you ready to do another song from that record before we continue our chat? Uh sure. We we can try. Uh, maybe should I go with something lighter or, or close with something lighter? Whatever your guitar is speaking, and, and is Billy playing shaker on it or not? There's the question. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm either going to mute or I'm not. Oh, okay. Uh, I was throwing shaker when I walked in here, so I, I well, haven't figured this out. Maybe Warren's Yvonne's birthday. It's, okay. it's it's a different tune. It's one of the, the bigger ones. I will play Shaker on this one, John. Then I'll leave your microphone on. Okay. Mark Jewett's in studio on Acoustic Alternatives. My father died on Warren Zevon's birthday. Still not sure exactly what that means So different yet the same Neither knew the other's name Both had a profound effect on me Dad served his country in the Second World War when he was only 20 years of age He kept it all inside A place where he could hide Secrets he carried to his grave Warren had an appetite for living Living large Thing he did so well Like a feral buckaroo And some alcoholics and a dude He rode the double E Right straight through hell He shared a favorite drink Called the next one And humor dark and dry The way I like it too Love to tell the story Both could do it well I miss those stories now I really do My father died on Warren Zevon's birthday I'm still not sure Exactly what that means So different yet the same had a profound effect on me
old volumes with the silence Like you knew I could do better than he'd done Now I hold up the flame And carry on his name And I'm proud to be the one My father died on Warren Zevon's birthday I'm still not sure exactly what that means So different, yet the same Neither knew the other's name Both had profound effect on me track from Mark Jewett's forthcoming album, The Lucky One, which is currently available as a separate single, Warren Zevon's birthday on Acoustic Alternatives. Clever marketing, because if somebody Googled, when is Warren Zevon's birthday? I bet that comes up. <laughs> you didn't even think of that, did you? Uh, not initially, but it, it was it was a fortunate afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. And it was released also on oh, Warren Zevon's birthday. Of course it was. <laughs> well, I, I would bet the one of the first answers to the questions who your favorite songwriters are is Warren Zevon. How about a couple of others? Oh, yeah. Um, Warren was a master of wordplay and, uh, and and cynicism and a blend of tenderness and uh, um, psychopathy. <laughs> Warren was quite unique. What, what uh, other songwriters reach you like that? Um, no one else reaches me quite like that, but okay. um, Jackson Brown was probably the first... Uh, you know, singer-songwriter that really um, drew my attention. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm still a big fan. Um, he's he's had a sensational career, um, you know, great supporting musicians, great songs. And, and I, I, I still remember way back to Dr. My Eyes being one of the, the first songs that he ever wrote when he was quite young. And um, so he's, he's someone I aspire to uh to draw from mm-hmm. um of course uh, beatles mm. how could you not be <laughs> especially you not? your age really i mean you're, you lived through it yeah and then uh in, in the late 70s um uh i i really dug into uh, jd souther um you know he had uh i'm the eagles uh, he, he did a lot of co-writing with the eagles and um did a lot of stuff on us he, he almost became a member of the eagles but uh, he had uh, such a great uh, high tenor voice, you know, the kind that I always wished that I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I've covered a few J.D. Souther songs, and um, I've, I've had to uh, bring along a second guitar that I detune a half or a full step in order just to get to the notes. And, and, and he plays them, you know, in a, in a first position that, you know, doesn't really allow you to uh, capo your way around the dilemma. So you... Yeah, have to bring another guitar. <laughs> nice, but uh, you know, I, also Nick Lowe has been a a, a big uh, influence, um, and I I really admire the way he reinvented himself uh, for a second career. You know, he had all his rock pile stuff and solo yeah. stuff and British Lee Swartz band, um, but you know, as he came back um, after you know some hiatus. 
uh, his, his songs came back in a different style. He wasn't trying to be what he used to be. Um, and the songs are still great. You know, I'll, I'll catch Nick live anytime I can. <laughs> I've seen him at the Ark and a couple other spots too. Yeah. There's some great songs in that catalog. All Men Are Liars. I love that one. Yep. And, uh, and he's Bride. got a killer sense of humor yeah. too. Yeah. It's a good list. If you had to pick an, an album that you love to cover from start to finish, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, like, what would you be able to tackle? Oh, me? With well, Billy's he, help. Yeah. <laughs> I like this question. A long time ago, nice. I always wanted to do a whole side of Abbey Road with a band. but um, oh, yeah. That's been done, though. Yeah, that, I, I don't expect that answer from you, actually. I expect something in the... Uh, I'll let you answer. God, I, I, I haven't thought about it mm. in that light. Okay. Um, we can come back to it. Yeah, uh, now I'm going to think about it and, until I come up with something. Call me tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll go into the studio now mentally and uh, tell me about the recording process with Billy. What was your favorite thing about recording with Billy? And Billy will give you a chance to tell me what your favorite thing about being with Mark was. Favorite moment, favorite. Uh... Well, um, I first of all, you know, after we talked about, you know, the, the project, um, I, I think we could sense that we were pretty much on the same page from the get-go before we ever booked the first hour in the studio. And we did a little bit of pre-production outside the studio, but um, I, I didn't want to force anything into a preconceived form. Um, my, my philosophy about doing this kind of thing and based on where I am in my, my own development is bring a song if you think it's strong and then bring in people that do things that you like and, and you know they have good taste and they know how to serve a song and turn them loose. Let them, let them do what they want to do. Um, there were very few points where I kind of tightened down and said, no, I want this to be a very specific way. I, th I think Sophia, I wanted that to be a Simon and Garfunkel thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I, I kind of forced that into a shape, but, um, yeah, just the whole process. Uh, it, it's a, a it's constant excitement about th new things that are being created every step of the way. That's that's what I liked about it. And you did it at Big Sky in Ann Arbor, right? Yes. All of it? Yes. The whole record? And uh, Jeff Michael was sensational through the whole process. It, it took a lot longer than we initially planned. Um, I don't know if you heard there was something going around. A pandemic or something? <laughs> yeah. But that actually gave me, you know, something to look forward to over a long period of months with not much else to look forward to. For sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did you have a favorite moment working with Mark on this record? Yeah. So I have to back up. So technically we did record it in a couple other places, but for the most part, it was at Big Sky. But we did. Well, so we, we had a couple guest stars on this record and Dale Griza, fantastic organist, keyboard player, <laughs> MD stuff. I, I love playing with him and, and he and Mark uh, have known each other for a while. Anyway, we wanted to get him on a couple tracks, and and he has a he had, at the time he had a home studio, nice piano setup, you know, organ setup, all of that, and um, and we went there, and so uh, let me preface this by saying, what I liked so much about that organic process is that Mark and I were kind of able to check in with each other live, and kind of go, is this. Is this, is this working, you know, or not, you know, or try to feel each other out. And I can I, sometimes they'd be like, I can tell Mark's not saying much, so I, I, I can't really read him. We should probably have a conversation or 
I can tell this isn't where we should go or it's really working because Mark's like yeah, some, kind sometimes of it was because I was blown away yeah yeah <laughs> so silence isn't always the indicator I guess you know of uh, one way uh, one answer but anyway so we were there we were at Dale's we kind of you know brought the session to him um, and the way his studio works was that he has a all of his stuff in one big room. There's no control room. The control room is inside the live room. And we're just kind of sitting on a couch, hands folded. He starts to do a couple takes. And he's like checking sounds. And we gave him a vague idea of what to do. But again, we wanted we wanted him to be him on it. We're not going to give him music or anything like that. So Dale starts going after like a, you know, a little test run. Red light goes on. And we're sitting there. And both of our heads are down. Mark and I are sitting next to each other on a couch. Dale is just kind of, you know, back turned. He's just playing. Um, and we're sitting there. And then he just plays this immediately, right when he comes in. And Mark and I kind of look up. We don't say anything because, you know, it's recording. We can't say, you can't jump up and down or anything. But there was this face of like, and for the people who are just listening, it looks, the face looks like, oh, this is That's amazing. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. And it, it was simultaneous. We, we, we looked at each other with, yeah, like, like this is it. This is gonna and it glued everything together. Um, and you know, you just don't know until you until you try it and hear it. And so there, so there was a lot of that in the studio. And but that was one of my favorite moments was just kind of throwing it to the wall and, and trusting someone. That was know. a magic moment. Yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah. Of the songs I've heard, I have one in mind. That is the answer to the question that I'm guessing. But I'm going to ask you the question: What was the most fun song to record on this album? Oh. Um, well, there were, there were different kinds of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most of it involved having clothing on, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we remained fully clothed. It was, a lot of this was midwinter stuff. Um, but, uh, Michigan Snow Shovel and That's Blues. the answer. <laughs> was, was a lot of fun. Sounds like a I mean, it was oh, just, man. you know, laugh out loud kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, connoisseur was fun. Um, it's kind of a, a, a caricature of a of a song, mm-hmm. um, but you know, sonically, uh, as far as like a, a musical adventure, guilty mm. I, was so much fun. The way it came it, out, yeah, yeah, it, and it 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 grew quickly from a concept to a very big arrangement, um, you know, time wise and. Uh, I, I, I still remember hearing, you know, some of these these parts for the first time, and and, and guilty. Um, I it seems kind of cinematic to me, so uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I may try to do some things with uh, with pitching that in, into film or TV or whatever. Cool. Yeah, good luck. Well, the record comes out in August. And uh, there will be support shows. At least one has been booked, right? Yes, one has been booked. We're we're working on some, but a lot of venues are still in, in a an uncertain space. We're not ready to commit to dates yet, but uh, we will be at Trinity House Theater on December third. If the world cooperates, please. <laughs> and will the band be the band that? Tell me, tell me. Besides Billy, and besides the amazing voice of Amy Petty, who else was on the record? Uh, Billy's brother Michael. Um, played, you know, electric, acoustic guitar, pedal steel, a lot of pedal steel. Um, Ken Pesek on bass. Yeah, Ken Pesek on bass. 
Dale on uh, grand piano, Wurlitzer piano, organ, uh, organ yeah. um, you name it. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jason Denny um, oh, right. provided yeah. some mandolin on one track. Lucky um, you, lucky you for sure. Yeah. You're the lucky one. Wait a minute, girl. We knew that already. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Sonia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So quite a collection of people you've got. Yeah. And, and, and the way it wrapped up was, was pretty amazing, too, because um, we had another song that I had planned to include on the record, and it just wasn't panning out, you know, um, the, the way I was thinking it might. So we scrapped it, and uh, and I remember I was I was on the phone with with Amy one night saying I don't know what I'm going to do I I don't feel comfortable with this last song we should I, I need to come up with something else and and she said don't worry there's a lot of ideas running around in in that head and and I said yeah they're like little voices and again I got oh, wait a minute voices <laughs> write that down. <laughs> write that down and so within 48 hours I think. I, I had 90% of voices, and then we went right to the studio with that. Cool. Like a couple of days later. Yeah, Mark sent me that in a, a text in the morning. I like had like my, my cereal spoon in my mouth, and I was listening to it, and it kind of like drooped down. I was like, this, this is Mark. You know, like, it was Weird. amazing. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it wasn't until we got, you know, some bed tracks down, I was tr trying to think of, okay, what would be a good feature instrument in here? And uh, maybe violin. And uh, looked up Sonia, and there you go. There we go. Shoot for the stars, man. <laughs> All right, let's get one more song before we wrap this up. What one would you like to end with? And does it have shaker? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, if if if, if you remember the oh, shaker part, the connoisseur, you know. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> All right. Here we go. Yes. Okay. Taco Tuesday happened every day I'd have only happy words to say I'd have a nice mojito Two tacos, one burrito Cause I'm a connoisseur of Mexican cuisine Take care I'm uh, here we go. Armando's makes delicious chimichangas. They're so grande, you might say humongous. But if you want something muy bueno, it's the chile relleno. When you're a connoisseur of Mexican cuisine. I'm a connoisseur of Mexican cuisine From places where the kitchen is fairly clean That's where they make the best You can have the rest You're a connoisseur of Mexican cuisine Take care when the menu says cuidado for el baño could soon be aquaparo caliente means it's hot suave means it's not when you're a connoisseur of 
Mexican cuisine Pollo carnitas and carne asada Varieties of tacos I like a lot of Don't try to fool me by serving one flat Telling me it's a tostada, it's just a flat taco When I'm a connoisseur of Mexican cuisine From places where the kitchen is fairly clean That's where they make the best You can have the rest I'm a connoisseur of Mexican cuisine we are connoisseurs of Mexican cuisine. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Truett on Acoustic Alternatives and Track from the forthcoming album, The Lucky One. Let's run down all the important information about the album. Dates, websites, etc. All right. Uh, websites. Um, digital platforms. Uh, I selected all of them, so smart. Yeah, it, it'll be out there most likely on your favorite platform. Physical CDs should become available uh, August twentieth, um, and Bandcamp will be the the best platform for purchasing remotely. Um, I still do solo shows, duo, duo shows, trio shows with whoever can make it. And I'm happy to <laughs> happy to get together with all these folks. So they'll be available there too. Um, MarkJewett.com. MarkJewett.com. Yes. Two T's. Um, I, I did happen to get my own name as a domain secured. <laughs> Fabulous. Release date again, August 20th. August 20th. Very nice. And and I, I do want to give a shout out to the whole lineup. Billy Harrington did a fad, fabulous job producing mm -hmm. and, and on drums. Michael Harrington on guitars. Ken Pesek on bass. Amy Petty on vocals. Dale Greiza keyboards and Sonia Lee on violin and Jason Denny on mandolin. Again, you're a very lucky man for having all those, but that's because it, you treat people well. It, it may be right. what I do best is picking people. You do pick people pretty well. <laughs> well, thank you and thank you, Billy, for being part of Acoustic Alternatives today. And a big thanks to David Palmer. If you have that tab open at dcpalmer.com, check him out. Um, he cares deeply about the region and he uh, cares about having a positive social impact around here as well. So... Realty, that's one thing he does. Music lover, another thing he does. He's actually got an idea about something he wants to do with music, too. So talk to him about uh, maybe uh, your CD collection. He might be able to help you with that if you're interested in getting, re getting rid of records. Talk to him about that. David Palmer, associated with Realty Experts, LLC, 1420, Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226, 313-759-9558. Thank you, gentlemen. And another Acoustic Alternatives in just a couple of weeks. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. My pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. It has been. Take care. <laughs>